Hello everyone, welcome back. Hope you're all having a great day so far. So, welcome to my 16th episode of Season 2. Today is Wednesday, April 21st, 2021. My name is Sanal Patel, and this is the Paint the Medical Picture podcast series. Now, I just wanted to wish everyone out there a very happy Health Information Professionals Week. This is the week devoted to all of us, celebrating all the everyday work we do, despite the topsy-turvy pandemic that confronted all of us. So, there's more and more of those smirk audits, and I keep sharing all my compliance tips. This week, I get into skilled nursing facility. And I also discuss provider compliance in the CDC's COVID-19 vaccination program. And finally, I round out this week's episode by sharing some inspirational words on greatness from our American actor, our rock, Dwayne Johnson. If you checked me out on LinkedIn, you know I'm all about compliance and protecting our physicians and valued healthcare professionals when it comes to the business of medicine. I hope this week with me brings you enough to take back to your organizations to want to dive in deeper, to use my tips and best practices to ensure success. I hope this podcast will help you boost the quality of documentation capture and improve coding accuracy as you help your providers paint the medical picture. If you like what you're hearing, go ahead and hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss another episode. Please write in a review and five-star rating on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to my podcast. I'd really love your support. Now, as always, a friendly disclaimer. Remember, I'm bringing you current healthcare news, my compliance tips and recommendations based on my over 10 years of experience in front office, back-end, coding, and billing for multi-specialty physicians, compliance, and auditing for both ENM and surgical operative reports. These are my opinions alone and are not to be construed as legal advice. So, let's get into newsworthy. I wanted to go over a reminder on provider compliance in the COVID-19 vaccination program from the CDC. Now, the OIG reminds vaccine providers and the public that this vaccine is being provided by the federal government and must be administered at no cost to recipients. Now, providers participating in the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, that's our CDC, their COVID-19 vaccination program, they are obligated to comply with the terms of that program. Now, the CDC reminds us that all organizations and providers participating in the CDC COVID-19 vaccination program must, number one, administer COVID-19 vaccine with no out-of-pocket cost to the recipient. Number two, they may not deny anyone vaccination based on the vaccine recipient's coverage status or network status. Number three, they may not charge an office visit or other fee if COVID-19 vaccination is the sole medical service provided. And number four, they may not require additional medical services to receive COVID-19 vaccination. They may seek appropriate reimbursement from a program or a plan that covers COVID-19 vaccine administration fees for the vaccine recipient, such as, for example, the vaccine recipient has private insurance, or they have Medicare or Medicaid reimbursement, or they have a HRSA COVID-19 uninsured program for those folks that are non-insured vaccine recipients. 
and they may not seek any reimbursement, including those through balanced billing from the vaccine recipient. Now, the OIG is well aware of many complaints by patients about charges by providers when they get their COVID-19 vaccines. Now, providers that charge impermissible fees must refund them and ensure that individuals are not charged fees for the COVID-19 vaccine or vaccine administration in the future. Now, consistent with the CDC vaccination program, providers are, are permitted, excuse me, to bill third-party payers such as Medicare, Medicaid, the HRSA COVID-19 uninsured program, or a private insurer for an administration fee in accordance with the payer's applicable billing rules. Now, in addition, throughout this pandemic, the OIG and its law enforcement partners have already investigated a steady stream of allegations of COVID-19 related fraud and abuse. Fraudsters are using telemarketing, text messages, social media platforms, and door-to-door -door visits to perpetrate scams to steal money and personal information from our vulnerable people, the Medicare recipients, exploiting fear and confusion. Now, the OIG remains vigilant and committed to holding perpetrators of fraud schemes accountable. OIG has alerted the public to suspicious activity related to vaccines, including, number one, requests for payment to get a vaccine, including deposits or fees. Number two, there have been requests for payment or offers of money to enhance ranking for vaccine eligibility, which means they want to get a better spot in line or move up faster on the waiting list. And third, there have been offers to sell or ship doses of vaccine for payment. Fourth, there have been offers to purchase vaccine record cards containing personally identifiable information. And fifth, there have been offers of money to participate in a vaccine survey. Now, the OIG, of course, continues to update its COVID-19 fraud alert to warn the public about emerging fraud schemes. And I always try and provide these types of fraud alerts as well to my listeners. Now, the public and private sectors must work together to ensure that vaccine distribution is conducted with integrity and in accordance with applicable rules. So let's do our part. Keep our eyes peeled because these scams are very, very real. I know I just started watching my favorite Law & Order again on a new series they developed for organized crime that literally just devoted an entire episode to COVID-19 vaccine scams in freezer trucks, ice cream trucks, and the like to sell and ship cases and cases for payment. And now it's time for my best practice tips in trusty tip. Let's dive into my compliance tips here in part seven of my smirk audits that are blasting in across the country. Remember, these are the 16 new Unified Program Integrity Contractor, the UPIC audits that are being conducted via the Supplemental Medical Review Contractor, the SMIRC at Neridian. Their function is to conduct nationwide medical review of parts A, B, and DME providers and suppliers as directed by CMS. It's the responsibility of the SMIRC to review medical records and related documentation to ensure that claims are processed in accordance with CMS guidelines. Now, I provided you with details for six in prior episodes that involves durable medical equipment or DME, 
supplies in non-covered skilled nursing facilities, or SNFs, spinal cord stimulators, outpatient hyperbaric oxygen therapy, also called HBOT, diabetic testing strips, or DTS, polysomnography, also known as sleep studies, and inpatient rehabilitation facility, or ERFs, that are in the SMIRCS spotlight. So let's get into part seven of my SMIRC audits. Now the seventh is titled 01-026 Skilled Nursing Facility, or SNF, Notification of Medical Review. Now Noridian SMIRC is conducting post-payment review of claims for Medicare Part A, Skilled Nursing Facility, that's our SNF, claims billed on dates of service from January 1st, 2018 through December 31st, 2018. Remember, these are the time parameters. This notification includes the reasons for the review, documentation that will be requested in the additional documentation request letter, the ADR, and resources that providers and suppliers may wish to consult with as they're submitting their claims. Now, some background on the why. Why on earth is this happening? Now, the SNF benefit has been a topic for years now that's been reviewed by the Office of the Inspector General. Of course, that's our OIG. Now, back in 2014 and in 2016, SNF medical review projects were done, were conducted by the SMIRC. Now, the results of the SNF medical review projects supported that additional evaluation, review, and education on SNF benefits was still needed. Now, Medicare covers SNF care under Part A benefit under certain conditions for up to 100 days. The admission must meet medical, medical necessity requirements, excuse me, <clears throat> to qualify for payment. The SNF patient requires skilled nursing or skilled rehab services are ordered by a physician and services rendered are for a condition which the patient received inpatient hospital services or for a condition that arose while receiving care in a SNF for a condition they received while they were inpatient in the hospital. The patient required the skilled services on a daily basis. They also required the SNF as a practical matter and considering economy and efficiency and the daily skilled services can be provided only on an inpatient basis in a SNF. Now, the services are reasonable and necessary and must be reasonable and necessary in terms of duration and quantity. Of course, the reason for the review is critical. They are narrowing it down in scope for us, thank goodness. Now, CMS has tasked the SMIRC to perform medical record re review on the validation of SNF claims to support if the SNF stays were reasonable and necessary. The scope involves Noridian performing data analysis and conducting medical review. Noridian will complete data analysis and review activities in accordance with applicable statutory, regulatory, and subregulatory guidance. They are honing in on type of bill 18X for swing bed, they're also honing in on type of bill 21X for SNF inpatient. The revenue code on claims will be 0022 for the SNF PPS or the payment perspective system. Now, they're also keen on ultra high rehab claims with five day assessments as well as 14 day assessments. 
Now, of course, there are documentation requirements as well. I'm going to go over a list of 10 specific, very specific documentation requirements that will be in your ADR letter that you receive. These are items that you will have to furnish to support your claims already paid now that you are under review for your post-payment audit. Now, the first requirement for documentation is the minimum data set sheet, the MDS. Those assessments are for five days, 14 days, if applicable. Now, the documentation to support the period of time when the beneficiary's condition is captured by the MDS assessment, that's the look back period. The look back period may fall outside of the dates of the service under review. The documentation requested may include documentation 30 to 45 days prior to the dates of service under review. So keep that in mind. You may have to look back a little bit more. Now, the second requirement for documentation is going to be the physician or non-physician practitioner, the NPPs, order for the date of service. The third requirement is going to be that signed and dated physician certification and recertification, if that's applicable, for the skilled level of care. Now, if it's not signed and dated timely, a letter of delay that is signed and dated by the physician must be submitted, kind of like an attestation. The fourth requirement is going to be the records of the patient's condition before, during, and after this billing period to support, of course, the medical necessity and the reason the service was provided. So those records will have to include the hospital discharge summary and transfer form, needs to include those emergency room records, those physician progress notes, those operative reports, as well as any consultation reports. Now, the fifth requirement for documentation is going to be those records supporting the skilled level of care. Those records will have to include the history and physical exam pertinent to the patient's care. Those records will also have to include the skilled services provided, as well as the patient's response to those skilled services. Also will be the plan for future care based on rationale of prior results. You'll, you'll also have to include the SNF progress notes and discharge, and discharge summary, <clears throat> excuse me, as well as the nursing notes, including the medication and treatment records, which detail, of course, your wound care, your respiratory treatments, as well as your oxygen therapy records. You'll also have to include the care plan. And of course, you'll have to include the ADL charting and logs. Now, the sixth requirement for documentation, you're going to have to include all of those therapy progress notes, and that's the therapy for physical, occupational, speech-language pathology, if applicable. Now, within those therapy progress notes, you're going to have to include the initial eval, the plan of care, the progress reports, the treatment encounter notes, the therapy minute logs, and the discharge summary. Now, the seventh requirement for documentation, you're going to have to include those valid electronic and handwritten physician and or clinician signatures. Now, your signature logs and signature attestation statements should be submitted when the physician or the clinician signatures are illegible. Now, the eighth documentation requirement are going to be those diagnostic procedure notes if they're applicable. The ninth will have to be those lab reports, if applicable. And finally, the 10th documentation requirement is going to have to be that 
ABN or the Advanced Beneficiary Notice of Non-Coverage, if it's applicable. So remember, these post-payment audits are a sign, a signal that something may be amiss in your documentation, coding, and billing. These 10 requirements are a very good reminder that you should be making checklists and improving workflows and efficiencies at your practice to ensure all documentation is being captured, coded, and billed compliantly for all applicable statutory and regulatory guidelines. So a better, smarter approach is one that's proactive and starts by painting a clear, rich, and vibrant medical picture the first time so your certified medical coder can then abstract codes with accuracy. And finally, in this week's inspiring quote on greatness in Spark is from American actor Dwayne Johnson. Success isn't always about greatness. It is about consistency. Consistent hard work leads to success greatness will come. Absolutely, right? Consistent hard work has been instilled in me from a very young age. It's not about money. It's not about fame. It is about the value you provide based on that consistent hard work. That value can generate tremendous respect, both self-respect and self-worth, as well as the respect given from your peers, your colleagues, your clients, it's all a matter of mindset. You simply cannot rush into your own greatness. It's in there, but it takes a lot of hard work, dedication, and commitment to unleash it. I'm happy the rock spark still shines brightly in all of us today. So that wraps up today's episode. Please go out and make this a great day, an incredible week for yourselves. Go do great things. Aim a little higher, do a little more and give back in any way you can in 2021. There's so much each one of us can do. Now, my final tidbit this week is on that Janssen vaccine. Rats, I was so looking forward to getting it. But oh well, it's been pulled for safety and in particular women, relatively healthier women in my age bracket were affected with blood clots. Now, were the blood clots from the vaccine, from their birth control, we really don't know. They're still investigating. So I'm back to my original happy plan though with Pfizer or Moderna. Doesn't really matter. I'm on the official appointment list now at last. So remember to keep masking up, washing up, and staying physically distant. We're not all vaccinated just yet. So as always, I appreciate you diving into today with me. And if you want more information from me, go ahead and follow me on LinkedIn. I'll leave links to everything in the show notes below. Please continue staying safe and healthy, practice safety for one and all during our collective life in the time of coronavirus. Thank you for listening in on today's episode. And I hope every week with me brings you closer to helping your providers paint a masterpiece. See you next Wednesday.